So hi there, everybody. Um, this is today is the third talk in a series that we have entitled Rootfulness, this kind of made-up word that we're using to capture this idea of having strong roots. Um, in the same way that a tree has a visible part and an invisible part below the surface, our spiritual life has a part that everybody can see, um, the part that's above the surface, um, the, the, our, our sort of actions and our words, and then there's a part below our prayer life, our connection with God, uh, the way that we have a relationship with him. And just like the, loot, the roots of a tree, it's those spiritual roots that give us strength and nourish us. And today we're going to be focusing on strong roots, and we're going to be focusing and rooting ourselves in one passage in the Bible, in particular in Romans chapter 11. Um, so if you've got a Bible, I'd encourage you to get, get it out. Turn to chapter 11, verse 17. It says, If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in amongst the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. So a little bit of um, context here. Um, the main thrust of this passage is written by a guy called Paul, and he was addressing a bit of tension that had um, arisen in the um, early Roman church between the believers who'd come from Jewish backgrounds, um, like all of the initial disciples were, were from that background, and, and, and those who'd come later from non-Jewish or what they called Gentile backgrounds. And they had grown to now become the majority in the church in Rome, and they had begun to treat their Jewish brothers and sisters um, unfairly because of their ethnic, because of their cultural roots. And so in the previous chapters building up to this, Paul um, had been explaining about God's love and his faithfulness to the Jewish people, both, both in the past but also in the future. And it gets to the point here where he then pulls a bit of a sort of a theological judo move um, on the Gentile believers by saying, listen, before you go judging them because of your roots, because of their roots, bear in mind that you now share in the same roots as them. He says, you, the wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others. You know, the Bible has, has lots of, of wonderful ways of describing what happens when we choose to follow Jesus. It says that we go from, from death and darkness and slavery into life and light and freedom. And here we see another picture that adds a bit more color to it. It says that we become grafted in among the others. Apparently, since lockdown began, um, over 85 people in the, life of church, in the life of the church become followers of Jesus. And um, that's, that's what we know of. Over 100 more of you have clicked that little button saying, I raise my hand, I commit my life to Jesus during our service. And if that's you and you're watching, um, congratulations, you have been grafted in. Now, for anybody who isn't totally sure what grafting is, which included me a few days ago, um, it's a horticultural technique where you, you take a branch from one tree, and you can see the, the scion, a scion, and you root it to the stock, the rootstock of another, and you, you, know, you cut them both, you stick them together. It sounds like it shouldn't work, but it does. You can actually make a whole new plant. And so the image is, when we decide to follow Jesus, we become cut off from our old life, our old roots, and we become grafted in to this one root of God's family tree, sharing relationship with one heavenly Father 
and with all other Christians. Now, one really interesting fact about grafting, as I said, I didn't know that much about it recently, but I've had a friend, conversation with a friend who knows a bit about trees, watched a few YouTube videos, I'm basically an expert now. <laughs> Apparently, grafting, um, the type of fruit that you get depends on the branch. Um, so, in fact, you can graft different branches um, onto the same root. For example, like an apple tree, you could, you could graft different apple branches onto a tree and have one tree that bears lots of different apples. So here's one example that was in the news. Um, because this gardener managed to cultivate 250 types of apple on one tree. And I think this is a wonderful picture of God's design for the church. A place where people from every type of background can be grafted in to the same root. I love what Ben was saying um, just a moment ago about all those different comments that have been coming in, people writing their prayers in different languages. And that's how it is. We've all been grafted into the same root such that we become, in a spiritual sense, siblings. And that's actually quite a bold picture because it's essentially saying when you choose to follow Jesus, your primary roots are no longer you know, your cultural or biological roots, but your new roots in Christ. And this is one of the things that Jesus was getting at when he said, um, there's this really harsh-sounding passage in Matthew 10.37 where Jesus said, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy to follow me. And that wasn't about, he wasn't saying you need to love your family less. He's about saying you need to understand that, that as a follower of me, as a follower of Jesus, your root in Christ is now your primary root your spiritual roots, and they are stronger even than your biological roots, your family roots. In fact, they're the only roots that are, that are strong enough to, to help you truly flourish and grow to the full potential that God has for you. Now, another um, fun fact about grafting is that whilst the type of fruit depends on the branch, apparently the size and the vigor of the tree depends on the root. So, for example, if you go to the garden center buy an apple tree with what's called a, a dwarf fruit, um, you can guarantee that, that tree won't take over your garden. If you want a tree that's just going to grow massive, you need the right kind of root. And there's a life principle, I think, in that. One of the classic mistakes that we make in life is trying to establish ourselves in the wrong kind of root. If we try and grow our identity out of things like our career, our reputation, where we, what area we live in, our, our academic achievements, our pursuits, or what we, what we look like, we end up wondering why we aren't flourishing in the way we, that we want to in life. We get that feeling of like, surely there must be more to life than this. And it's because it's only when we root our identity in Jesus that we can flourish and grow as God intends us to. And we read um, that that growth is it's, it's fed by, it says, you now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. That's where the growth comes from. Now, nourishing sap sounds good to me, but what, what's, what's the analogy here? What's Paul on about? Well, I think it's stuff like this. If you skip back a little bit in Romans to chapter 9, Paul is talking about the nation of Israel. And he says, theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs is the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah. And he's saying now that all of that good stuff, all of those promises, um, you Gentile Christians, you're not from Jewish roots, but you now share in that background. 
You share in all of that nourishing sap, like being adopted into God's family, like having one heavenly father, all of the promises that we read about in the Old Testament. Apparently, um, for a graft to really take and be successful, it's critical that you line up that join properly so that the nourishing sap can flow from the roots upwards. Um, I heard somebody say the nourishing sap is like the lifeblood of the tree. And I believe that one of the key ways that we can enable that and align ourselves with our strong roots is to engage with these kind of scriptures and to engage with the scriptures in general. You know, I say that um, for me, over the last few months, um, I'll admit that there have been plenty of times, actually, where I felt a little bit weary. And I'm sure perhaps some of you who are watching can resonate with that. But as I reflect back, I recognize that, um, that God has strengthened and nourished me, particularly through the Bible in recent weeks. Um, for example, like each week at men's prayer, um, we start by reading one of the Psalms. And by the way, if you fancy joining us this Tuesday at 7, we have just reached Psalm 100 on Tuesday, so it's a perfect week to come along. Um, but it's amazing how from week to week, the words of that Psalm just, just speak directly to the things that we're going through at that time. Um, similarly, I've been sharing in a Bible reading plan uh, the last few weeks with some friends from small groups. And um, just so many of the scriptures that particularly, um, I've been really grateful recently for, for, the, for Proverbs and some of the encouragement I've found there. These scriptures have felt for me during this time like nourishing sap is getting through as I've drawn them in. I felt anxiety fade and get replaced with a sense of just resilience and energy and peace at the same time. That sounds like nourishing sap to me. So my encouragement here to you is, is not just about reading the Bible, but taking the time to let that sap flow through. You know, it's one thing to flick through a devotional or to, you know, glance at a verse of the day on your phone. But I think it's another thing to, to actually carve out some time to get rid of the distractions to make yourself comfy, make a nice cup of tea, perhaps a bit of cake, you know, make a thing of it, or, or take yourself out to a place where you can connect with the Bible if that's your thing outside. I know we're all busy, and some days it will be more of a quick thing, but, but even if it's once or twice a week, I want to encourage you to make a thing of it. Make space for it. Open up your Bible, and don't put it down until you feel that nourishing sap getting through because we need it now more than ever. So if you have to, press pause, get your diary, put a little slot in there now. Um, go and do that, it's fine. And then we can carry on. Now, next bit. Um, remember, Paul was addressing this problem. I said that the Gentile Christians were, were looking down on those from Jewish backgrounds because of their roots. And, Jewish, and, and, and Paul says then, he says, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. Now, if you were to tell, ask me a question, uh, tell me about your roots, I guess I would probably tell you about um, where I grew up, my background. And here's a little picture, courtesy of Google Earth, of the house that I lived in until I left home. Um, it's in a council estate in a place called Houghton Regis near Luton. It looks exactly the same now as it did back then. And as a kid, I spent literally hundreds of hours in um, that garage block that you can see on the right there, playing with friends, or leaning out of those bedroom windows in the summer evenings, watching whatever drama was unfolding between the neighbours. It was the type of uh, community where extended families lived within doors of each other. And if you were from a certain type of family, people would make assumptions about the type of person you were 
based on your family roots. Um, for example, I remember one day making a new friend, playing in the garages, and eventually after a while, my dad called me in and he said, John, I want you to be really careful around that boy and you are absolutely forbidden from going around his house. And when I protested, uh, my dad explains, I know that family. I know his dad. His dad's bad news. His dad's a, a junkie. And it was one of my very first experiences of quite a human trait that we, that as humans we do this. We make judgments and assessments about people based on their backgrounds before sometimes before we've even met them. But have you ever noticed that, that Jesus, he wasn't so bothered about this principle? You know, you look at his friends and, and his uh, disciples, ex-prostitutes, tax collectors, uneducated workers. Jesus himself was often sneered at because he was a carpenter's son from Galilee, which wasn't exactly a, a prestigious background. Jesus came to open up the floodgates so that everyone could be part of God's family. And Paul really got this. We, we see this in various points in Romans. For example, in chapter 10, verse 9, he says, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's faith in Jesus. It's acceptance in him as Lord and Savior that dictates whether somebody belongs in the family of God, not their background. You know, sadly, in the centuries that followed this, the early Christian church did not do a good job of heeding Paul's advice and loving and respecting the Jewish people. Apparently, in the early centuries of the church, Christian leaders um, played their part in, abuse, in abusing them, labeling them as the people who had killed their Messiah and played a role in the persecution of the Jews. And now, in 2020, this year, we have once been spurred to look back through church history and examine ourselves in the past and also in the present. And through what's gone on in the world, through the media, God has brought it to our attention that, that the church has once again tolerated ethnic inequality in a different form. And as I read this, this phrase, um, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches, it reminded me of... Um, of a line from our very own Dave Ellis, um, released a track recently engaging with this conversation about race. Um, it's entitled Come Closer, and he raps the line, you're not better than me, you're not worse than me neither. And I think Paul would agree with the sentiment of those words. Don't let that lie that your background makes you any better than anybody else get into your head. But I suppose it means the reverse is also true. Do not consider yourself to be inferior to those other branches. You know, as we, took, as we consider this topic of rootfulness right now, and as we each kind of perhaps have a bit of a look at the condition of our own roots, we can make the mistake of looking at our background, looking at our past, where we've come from, and concluding that somehow our past or our failures make us worse or less worthy than others around us. We tell us things like, you know, I've got this problem and it's kind of like, it's in my roots. I've always been angry, like my dad. I've always been a gossip, like my mum. I'll never amount to anything like the rest of my family. And people from my background, we can expect life to be hard. You know, you may have been living with some kind of narrative like that in your head, maybe for years, and it's just not true. You think about it. 
Jesus literally scans the community for the people of the lowest renown, um, the people who nobody believed in. And he came and he said, come and follow me. And he told them to root their identity not in those negative stories or their past failures, but in him, in his righteousness, his authority, his truth. And today, you know, if any of that resonates with you, when we pray in a moment, I want to encourage you, if you're watching, to click on that live prayer button. Or if you're watching a different time, text a friend, have a call, and have somebody pray with you that the Holy Spirit would break the power of that lie and help you to reject that false story. Because I believe we can only do this with God's help. Because at the end of the day, our strength lies not in our own resilience, but in his final thing I want to highlight, Paul continues. He says, um, don't consider yourself to be superior to those branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. Now, once again, the context here uh, is that um, Paul was reminding the Gentile believers of their true spiritual roots. But these words really struck me in perhaps a more general sense as we read them now in 2020. It strikes me that this year, has been like a bit of a storm where the floodwaters have come in and washed away the topsoil and exposed some of our roots. A bit like this picture here. And many of us have realized perhaps that our roots aren't in the condition that we might have hoped. It might have exposed that our relationship with God and our worship of him was heavily dependent on a weekly meeting in a church building. That the only time we ever read the Bible perhaps was at church or a small group. It might have exposed some of the old issues from our past, addictions and bad habits that we thought we got rid of, but they've resurfaced. Some of us in this time have realized perhaps that our ability to, to just be peaceful and live without anxiety was dependent on various things that weren't God. And perhaps we've been caught off guard by how fearful we've become during this time. For some of us, it might be that we've realized we've stopped serving people. And perhaps our service of others in the past we realized was centered around the structure of rotors and organized activities, as opposed to just this posture of our heart compelling us to look out and love our neighbor as ourself. It might be that this year has brought one of these issues or, or another issue like it to your attention as our spiritual roots have been exposed. And you might be asking yourself the question, as you look at your roots, do, do I have the strength to make this? And are my roots strong enough? I believe the answer to those two questions are no and yes, respectively, because you do not support the root, but the root supports you. you know, I think the worst thing that I could imply in this talk is that, is that in this season, we need to have strong roots, and the way to get strong roots is to pray several times a day and read your Bible all the time, because if I say it like that, you're just going to leave feeling like you've been given another job to do. It's not our job to sustain prayer for the sake of prayer. It's not our job to read the Bible um, for the sake of a Bible reading plan. It's, it's, it's prayer's job to sustain us. It's the job of the Bible to nourish us. We do not have to support our roots, but we have to realize that our roots, our grounding in Jesus, is the only thing ultimately that supports us. And so it's okay. It's okay to need his support, especially in a time like this. It's okay to have fears and to bring them along with our failures to him because his strength is perfected in our weakness. 
And just as I close, whenever our faith wavers, I want you to consider the picture of the graft that we mentioned earlier. To make a strong graft, you have to, you have to make a cut. You have to wound the branch and you have to make a wound in the root. And when you bring the two together, a new life begins. It reminds me as a bit of a picture of the cross of Jesus, the place where the wounds of Jesus meet the wounds of his people. It's as we bring our failures to him and our fears to him, as we expose it all, we find a saviour who is willing to be pierced, willing to be cut, so that we might be grafted in. And the place where we are grafted into him, the place where our wounds meet his, is the place where new life begins. It's the strongest graft in the world. The place where we are grafted in with, together with every other believer in God's family to the strongest root, a root where we can take in that sap and find nourishment and strength, not just to survive, but to thrive, even in a time like this. Thank you.